Hey, it's Travis with the Side Stage Show. Join me every Thursday, noon to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time on 95.9 KRFF, heard throughout the Fargo-Moorhead area. You can also tune in online from anywhere at RadioFreeFargo.org for tunes, guests, interviews, even local community happenings. You can also check out the replay of our interviews on Spotify, iHeartMedia, iTunes, Buzzsprout, and more. Check out the Side Stage Show with Travis. Tune in, turn up, and jam out. Hey, well, we're very excited to have him here on the show. He's a singer, songwriter, producer, of course, known for his band's raw, even uh, singing and taking the mic over there in Metal. Not only that, but he's a big-time producer, y'all. He's producing a lot of the bands that you're hearing on the station here, like Diamante, Stitched Up Heart, Gemini Syndrome. We couldn't be more excited to catch up with him on the phone, Brother Sahaj Tikotin. Sahaj, how are you, brother? I'm good, man. How you doing? Good, man. It's good to hear your voice after all these years. Uh, I personally, of course, have fond memories of, of you and the guys in Raw, and uh, you got a special place in my heart. I first uh, remember meeting you there when I was the live music coordinator for the Hard Rock Cafe in New York City, and I remember seeing that Raw press kit coming on my desk. I popped it in the CD player right away, and it, it was obvious that you guys were on a whole other level with your songs and uh, musicianship, and uh, here we are. Congratulations, man, on everything you've achieved, all the success you had. Proud of you, man. It's good to catch up with you. Yeah, thank you so much. You know, it's funny, uh, now that you're bringing up uh, Continental and and uh, and those hard rock days, like those are, I mean, we're talking 2001-ish, <laughs> and, and in those days, um, we were, you know, we were struggling to get any attention in New York. In fact, the reason why a lot of people think we are a Boston band is because we couldn't get enough attention in the city of New York. Right. And we started playing weekend shows in uh, up, up in the Haverhill Mass area and like all this other stuff, working with uh, the radio station up there. And that's how we actually broke. But, but really, only, only one guy in the band was from that area. Oh, that's and, so crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, you know, we, we got a, it was a whole different sort of love when you played a a show in the Boston area because people were, you know, it was the Godsmack and all those kinds of bands had come from there. So there was a, there was a little bit more enthusiasm than in New York where people were more, a little bit more chic and cool, too cool for school when it came to hard rock. <laughs> right. You know, it's kind of ironic, man, that we're catching up and talking right at this time because the last time I actually did get to kind of see you face-to-face and hang out and see your show, again, you were talking 2000, 2001, and of course around that time it was 9-11. And uh, now here we are all these years later, and we're catching up kind of amongst another pandemic, the coronavirus. And uh, you guys at Raw, you, you announced earlier this year that you were getting back together. We even saw that you did a show on Ship Rock. But now we've kind of had to put things on hold because we're not doing live shows for a little while. Can you kind of clue us in what was on the agenda for Raw before this all hit? Well, you know, so you mentioned before that I took over singing for Mattel. Um, so the Mikal project was something I had done her first record. But for people who not, don't know who she is, Mikal Cohen, she's uh, she's like a YouTube star drummer chick. She does like drum covers, and then she decided she wanted to do some original stuff. So I did her first record. I produced and wrote it with her. Um, we had a different singer at the time, and then the, we lost the singer on the second album, and we couldn't find anybody. And she basically sort of coerced me into uh, <laughs> becoming the singer for that. But the, but I guess the, the good thing out of it is, is I got the itch again, um, and I really felt comfortable 
not only being on stage, doing a few shows with her, but also, I don't know, I just felt like my the years I've spent as a producer and a writer for all these other hard rock bands um, may have helped me get to a space where what I was ready to create for Ra would be at a level high enough to make it worth coming back. Right. So I, you know, started putting that together as sort of the B plan to the Metal project where I knew that there was going to be a follow-up Ra record. I just didn't really know how uh, intense and legitimate it was going to be. So I reached out to a handful of industry people that I was, you know, in good conversation with on a regular basis for other bands. And the reaction was astounding. You know, like calling up the guys at Shiprock and saying, hey, we want to be on your, you know, we're, we're, we're wondering if you guys would even want us. And they were like, you're on. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess we're... <laughs> I guess we're doing that then. That's so then awesome. it became okay. So we went out and reached, reached out to management, and they're like, "Yes." And we've gotten, you know, it's just. And then we went out and said, "Okay, we need to find a label if we're going to do this for real." And we got a label in two seconds. So it's just all <laughs> wow. sort of come together very easily. And I think, I think, I think part of it is is we never really diluted what we did. You know, certain bands of the same time period. You know, they had they had a business model that was super dependent on touring. And as a result, may have played, you know, too many places too many times. And I think they lost a little bit of their specialness by sort of appearing everywhere always. And, you know, you just sort of <clears throat> become something that people take for granted. Sure. Whereas, like, with Ra, we, you know, after we did Black Sun, we basically stopped touring altogether. Right. I mean, and that's, you know, going on 12 years ago. We did do like small little runs here and there, but the last time we played a show prior to Shiprock was in 2014. So, you know, there's a little bit of nostalgia with it. Obviously, the people at Octane are very nice and um, serious because they continue to play uh, the older songs. I just, you know, you guys just played it. So there's still some people there. There's still people running around that are hearing Ra for the first time and just being like, well, what is that? Right. So, you know, our Spotify presence is, is small, but, but legit. And... It's one of those things where there's enough going on to sort of warrant taking another stab at it, but I didn't want to take a stab at it in a half-assed way. I really wanted to make sure that we, if we were going to do it, we were going to do it like full-on with touring and the whole, you know, and the whole shebang, as well as reaching out to a lot of the bands that, one, I work with, and also the bands that we came up with. Right. So, you know, hopefully, if this all goes the way that I'm hoping, um you know, bands like Breaking Benjamin and Shine Down and and uh, you know, and Cedar and all the bands that we spent time with on the road back in those days might might consider having us on this time. Oh so we'll that, see what would, that would be exciting, man. Fingers crossed. And uh one thing I do want to ask you and, and obviously anybody who knows Raw uh knows the guys in the band, but I actually personally do not know this story and for me there were two bands out in new york city when i was a live music coordinator at the hard rock cafe there there were two bands that were my absolute favorite it was raw and it was 40 foot ringo and of course 40 foot ringo is steve brown and pj farley of trickster and pj is actually in raw and he's been in raw for quite some time enlighten me how that whole connection happened well so my this is a, this is a this is a, you asked a, a loaded question, but anyway, <laughs> the, the the short answer the, the shortest answer of that is that a friend of mine was an artist who was signed to Atlantic Records, 
Right. And I said to him at one point that I was looking for a bass player. He asked me, he said, hey, they're playing a cover gig down in Hoboken. Why don't you come down and check them out? So I came down, checked them out, and met PJ for the first time when he was in, doing a cover gig with Steve. And that was it. And then a couple, maybe a couple weeks later, I called him up and said, hey, I have this band, Ra. Would you be interested in joining it? And he said no. So I was like, oh, okay. So then we went out, did what we did. We got a different bass player and um, got a record deal. And then when we got a record deal, of course, he found out about it and was like, oh, my God, what did I do? <laughs> and didn't, and you know, and sort of regretted it. Um, about a, less than a year, about eight months into our first album cycle, uh, I had some friction with the bass player that we had had in the band. We ended up letting him go and... PJ, who was, of course, my first choice, I called and I said, hey, we need a player. Would you be interested in doing it? I need you to know the songs and be out here in two days. Wow. And it's just while we're out on tour with Stone Sour. Oh so he, he said yes, figured it out, came out, knew all the songs, started singing backup songs, the vocals too, and, and that was the end of that. Ever since about May of 2003, he's been in the band. Uh, we were just talking on the phone before we went on air, and obviously this whole uh, coronavirus pandemic has changed a lot of things. And we were talking how Raw was on a momentum. We were going to start seeing live shows again. That's kind of kind of on pause. But the good thing about the coronavirus is we're finding new ways to stay connected with our listeners, our fans, our viewers, that sort of thing. Is there a particular way that has been working for you that you're like, you know what, I've never had to look in this direction before, but it's working for us, and I think I think we might stick to this plan. Um, the honest answer is not really, because, you know, as a producer and a writer, which is, you know, probably 90% of my activity online is still revolving around that. Right. Um, the difference between my life, I made a post that was pretty funny, I guess, a couple months ago when we were in lockdown, but um, I said, you know, going, not not having a gym to go to is way worse than not going to the gym when you have one. Right. <laughs> and that was, you know, my whole, my whole realization was that, wow, my life is really not that different under quarantine than it is when I'm working regularly because I'm pretty much in the house 10 hours a day when I'm producing and writing and I maybe go outside on Sunday. <laughs> right. So, you know, from that perspective, my lifestyle and, and, and things didn't change. Um, from a band perspective, again, we're sort of, we're sort of behind the curtain waiting to emerge. Right. Like, we're really not getting... We're literally just getting to the point where we're about to ramp up activity and people are going to start being like, oh, there's new art. Oh, there's new this. Oh, there's new people involved. Oh, there's this new that. That, that stuff is about to start coming out. Right. Um, but at the moment, you know, we're just sort of like teasing a little bit here and there on our Facebook page, and that's about it. Right. You're a producer. You're staying busy, man. In fact, uh, it hasn't slowed down for you at all. And I want to know, obviously, I've known you uh, for being the singer-songwriter uh, frontman for Raw. What got you going down the direction of being this producer? Because now it seems like you're working with absolutely everybody. What what steered you down this road, and, and, and how did it take off for you? I mean, I think it's sort of, you know, there's, there's a little bit of the common sense of the music industry where it's like you've got to have an A plan, but you've got to have a B plan, and possibly, you know, hopefully a C plan, you know. And the idea of <clears throat> me trying to solidify the rest of my life as the front man of a rock band uh, didn't seem the most stable and have the most security attached to it. So right. I, you know, as a, as, as 
as my career in Raw developed, slowly but surely, I ended up sort of producing and writing everything within the band. And it just translated naturally into producing and writing for other people. Right. The trick was when I moved to Los Angeles in 2010 was to convince other people that I wasn't just the raw guy. So it took a minute to do that, but once people started trusting me with their vision as opposed to just expecting me to do what I do in raw to them, um, it became a, you know, a little bit of 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 a snowball effect. And we were able to create a business and have, um, a style that was not just the raw stuff and be able to take bands like Starset. I mean, the fact that I've been able to work with Starset, Motley Crue, um, I'm working with Lejean from Seven Dust on his solo stuff. I've worked with pop bands. I've worked with Jesse Jet. Like, there's so many diverse different things that I've been able to do. Um, That's the part that, that keeps me going, and I think it keeps it alive, is the fact that it's sort of diverse and eclectic. Right. And it keeps from sort of getting pigeonholed. So, right. knock on wood, we've been able to really, really build you know a whole thing as a producer that's separate of raw. Right. You've you've worked with a lot of them. Is there still some that are kind of on your bucket list that you would be like, man, I would love to co-write with this person, or I would love to produce just a song for this artist? Are there any that are on your bucket list? I mean, everyone, all, all the rock fans will get mad, but most of the people on my bucket list are sort of t- sort of top forty artists. Like, I, you know, I would love to work with, like, Post Malone or Billie Eilish or something like that or do something that's really, really mainstream pop and has sort of the sensibility and the challenges of writing something that's so mainstream and, and connecting on such a massive level. Um, from a rock standpoint, you know, a lot of the bands that are huge today, like I'm working with, I've done, I did a few songs with Bad Wolves. Those are really satisfying because doing songs with Bad Wolves, normally I wouldn't do something that heavy. Right. But that was awesome. Yeah. But that sort of like satisfied it. Like I don't need to do another heavy band because Bad Wolves is as heavy as I want to go. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like there's, there's it, there, you know, and, and there, you know, that's a band with a bunch of number ones and stuff like that. You right. Know, Starset is actually one of my prestige bands that I work with because it's high concept right. and it's really fun for me. So we get to do stuff. We actually worked quite a bit under quarantine in secret, and everybody everybody would be mad, but he only lives two and a half hours away from me now, so we've been sneaking it in. Right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard with the rock thing. I mean, of course Metallica and things like that would be a dream come true, but I don't know that that's... That's as productive as much as it's fantasy. In a time where we're growing up right now, 2020, it's it's a year like none of us have ever had to experience it. As a dad, what is something that you're hoping Macy, your son, learns from all this? Well, here's yeah, you're asking a, a question that directly ties to what the next album is actually going to be about. Um, I've already written uh, one of the singles, if not the single, in the song, and the album name is going to be called Intercorrupted. The album itself is a, is a word that I made up called Intercorrupted, and the it's a it's a very intense thing that I'm trying to communicate when I say what I'm about to say, but I I sort of have come to the realization that the baseline reality that we raise our children with, the bottom line, the way we bring kids into the world and portray the world that we're in is just based on so many false things. Like we, we completely create unrealistic expectations in our children from the day they come out. They're not big enough. They're not small enough. They're not smart enough. They're not, they're not fast enough. They're not intelligent enough. They're not pretty enough. They're not 
you know, there's so many things that we sort of distort as human beings. I don't want to get too heavy because I know it's just a rock radio show, but the fact is there's things that are, are really detrimental to the psychology of the world simply because when we bring our children into the world, we give them the wrong baseline to start from. Right. So to simplify my base message here is if we taught our kids how many flaws we had from the beginning, if, if kids came into the world realizing how flawed humanity was, at least they would have a baseline on which to evolve from. Right. But the problem is, is that we come into this world and we're sort of told that everything's fantastic and it's all going to be great and bubblegum, and the rest of our lives we spend sort of dealing with the realization that it's not. And it creates a lot of sadness and a lot of suffering and a lot of envy. And in a world where Instagram and Facebook become and TikTok become the paradigm of what you should be doing and what, how you should be living, there's a lot of disappointment and suffering that comes from just unrealistic perceptions of what life should be. Right. And that is, you know, that's something I'm going to focus on on the record. I'm definitely oversimplifying it for the sake of this interview, but it, it is, but it's, it's just something I feel really strongly about. I think a lot of the suffering in the world is, is because of, of, the, of what we think we're supposed to be and not accepting what we are. Well said. I tell you what, man, again, it has been absolutely fantastic to catch up with you. Kudos to you, man. Uh, keep up the great work. Proud of you. Where can we find you on social media? Well, I have my Facebook page, my Instagram page, and my producer page, and they're all under Sahaj Ticketon. And we recently um, switched our Facebook Raw page to literally now we're just Raw. Ah. So we actually have just if you just search official Raw on on uh, Facebook, you'll find the Facebook page for the band. And if you search and if you search Sahaj Ticketon. On any of the social media platforms, you'll get me. Brother Sahaj, thank you so much for making time for us here in Fargo. We appreciate you. And uh, let us know when uh, when all that new music comes out so we can keep playing you here on the station. Oh, absolutely. You're, you're going you're gonna to have no, no choice, I don't think.